Hello everyone and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, a sports podcast from an unlikely pair of fans where we give you the team breakdowns from our individual fandom's perspective, as well as our thoughts on teams across college football. So to all you volunteers and Gamecocks and everyone in between, let's kick off. Alright everyone and welcome to the first episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. My name is Brian Lowe and I am the Gamecock. I'm Tyler McDaniel and I'm Alval. So guys, we are actually going to start off this first episode by giving you a brief uh, introduction and history to our uh, fandoms, Mm. the, the... Colleges, the the collegiate football teams, not necessarily just football, uh, but the the collegiate institutions mm. uh, that we have pledged our undying devotions mm. to. Uh, like we just introed and said, uh, I am a huge fan of the University of South Carolina Gamecocks, mm-hmm. and Tyler is a lifelong Go Big Orange volunteer. Uh, Not only that, but throughout the different episodes, we're going to be looking into all kinds of in-depth analysis, uh, probably taking some information from other uh, outlets, other personalities that cover the respective teams, as well as, you know, putting our own spin on the, the different ins and outs of the SEC, as well as looking... Uh, at some other teams across the country, especially whenever it gets closer to the uh, playoff pitcher. And, of course, um, each week we'll probably be looking at the respective teams that each other is going to be playing and offering our insights, thoughts, and things like that. And there's definitely going to be quite a few games that reach outside the Southeastern mm-hmm. Conference. Uh, matter of fact, South Carolina's first game as well as Tennessee's first game are both non-conference but larger games mm-hmm. uh, with South Carolina playing North Carolina in the Battle of the Carolinas. And Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, is playing Virginia. In Nissan. In Nissan Stadium mm-hmm. for their first game. So neutral site games uh, against non-conference opponents. So we are definitely ready for the 2023 football season to fully get underway. Uh, as you know, most all colleges, most all schools, most all uh, football teams have started their fall camp at this point, Mm. uh, trying to make sure to get the final touches on installs, um, uh, offensive schemes, defensive schemes, just trying to get everything implemented uh, in the first couple of weeks of fall camp before we actually get into uh, more scrimmages and, of course, what would be team-specific practices for these first opponents coming up. Um, not only that, we're just going to go on and on probably sometimes ad, na- ad nauseum mm. uh, about our fandoms. But in this first episode, like I said, we're going to talk about a uh, brief history of the schools, uh, how they came to be, how the programs, especially the football programs, came to be, uh, as well as um, talking about how we became fans of those schools ourselves what influenced us uh because if i know i did not attend university of south carolina on any campus in any capacity and i don't think you have attended Mm -hmm. university of tennessee in any little brother okay yeah well you do have a family member um one of the things that had come out especially during talking season or talking season as the old head ball coach used to refer to it as uh, Steve Spurrier, for those of you that don't mm-hmm. know, and if you don't know, what rock are you living yeah. under? 
um, referred to uh, what would be media days, uh, the talking stuff during the summer before we get to fall camp. Uh, but there was a, a, a personality, an outlet, that said, unless you went to the school, have a family member that went to the school, or work for the school, then you have no right to, to be a fan of that school. So we're, we're definitely going to be sharing our stories yeah. today as to how we came to our fandom and, and how we think that 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 thought process is just asinine it's, it's very asinine because you wouldn't have fans so yeah uh with that being said um one of the first things that we're going to do uh and uh i guess i'll go ahead yeah, and take the kick, lead on this one um like i said i'm going to give you a brief history of the school program of course the school colors the mascot where the team got its name uh, its nicknames and any information for those of you listening that may not know because like I said, typically whenever you listen to a podcast, it's only going to be for your specific team. Mm-hmm. And as we uh, said in the intro, it's an unlikely pair, especially yep. after this last season, the 2022 season, and yeah. how the South Carolina and Tennessee game went. Uh, oh, the, we're already getting into it, dang. Right. The, the, the two friends of us uh, were able to, to do a podcast together yeah. from those respective fandoms. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I guess since the the fact that Tennessee definitely holds the more winning record oh, over yeah. South Carolina, uh, we'll save the quote-unquote. Yeah, but unquote. still, like, I'll be the first to say I wouldn't do a sports podcast with a Gator or a fan, a Bulldog fan, or a Tide fan. So, However, we will wind up we having one or two of those on here as yeah. guests at some point in time. Yeah. But guess, uh, guess spot's okay. Guess spot's, but as far as regular week-to-week podcast yeah. uh, episodes, I no, wouldn't do any of those fly. three fan, fan verses, so and I, I definitely have to agree with you on the, the Georgia, mm. um, especially after the back-to-back. They can get rather... Rather, rather obnoxious. I just, I just never under like. Is it the barking? It, it's that. Like a, a seventy-six-year-old should not be barking in someone's face <laughs> at a ball game. <laughs> I don't howl in people's faces like a coon dog does. Right. I and I know ch- that I don't you don't. Chomp. You don't chomp. You don't throw anything at anybody either. Yeah, I don't throw it. No, I do not. Tennessee has that stigma currently. Convey, unfortunately, I do not condone throwing things either. Uh, same can I be will said discuss for South Carolina. That. I will discuss that, though. At least the student section, anyway. Yeah. Um, but for those of you that do not know, uh, South Carolina, as a school, University of South Carolina was founded in 1801. And yes, I am going to go ahead and throw a jab directly at oh, the University of Southern USC. California, yeah. the other USC yeah. over on the West Coast. Uh, that I'll our school wound up becoming <laughs> a school before they even became a state. Mm-hmm. So, yes, University of South Carolina is the real USC. Um, the actual first game was actually quite a while away from the founding of the school. The school founded in 1801. The first game was not until 1892, and it was actually played on Christmas Eve against Furman University, the Paladins, Another South Carolina school, which we actually do have on our schedule yeah. for game number two this year after North Carolina. 
Um, and they were just referred to as the College Boys back then. They weren't known as the Gamecocks at that point in time. They were just called the College Boys. And since the team was not sanctioned by the school at that time, the players and their supporters had to pay their own way for everything. Uniforms, travel to play, everything was paid for by the players and the people that supported the fact because it ha- even at that time, almost 100 years later, had still not been sanctioned and adopted by the school as a legitimate thing. Wow. So even at that point, uh, in the early beginnings, the players themselves and their supporters chose garnet and black mm. for the school's colors. So the school colors were around before the Gamecocks name even came to be. Um, and of course I can't express how the mascot came to be without telling of how the team got its name. Mm. Um, and in 1900, so just eight years after the first game, uh, is when a local newspaper called The State, which is still in print today, uh, and is still one of the main coverages of Gamecock Athletics in the state of South Carolina along with the other team from the upstate that shall not be named. Uh, some One of us may say the name at some point in time, but it'll more likely come from you than it will come from me. <laughs> but they referred, they were the first to refer to the team as the Gamecocks, which was a reference to the Revolutionary War hero, General Thomas Sumter, mm-hmm. who was known as the Fighting Gamecock. And that itself was a name that was given to him by the British General Cornwallis due to Sumter's ferocity and tenacious fighting tactics throughout the Revolutionary War. And if you want to get a reference and actually see this, um, watch the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson. And since, of course, the primary colors of the Gamecock were garnet and black, they already had the colors. It was just a match made in heaven, so to speak. So, yeah. Um, After they went through the eight years of playing ball before they found their true identity, uh, it wasn't actually until 1969 that the first image of a Gamecock was put onto the helmet. Wow. Uh, Before that, it was just a block C. And that's what you hear now anytime as far as part of the logo for South Carolina being the Block C. The Block C. Yep. And, of course, the mascot that you know as Cocky, the person in the suit at Mm -hmm. all the games and stuff like that, and also one of the uh, multi-time award winners for Mascot of the Year, uh, didn't make its first appearance until 1980, the year before I was born. Whoa. Yeah. And since its inception, the Gamecocks have played as an independent from 1892 to 1921, was part of the SOCON, or Southern Conference, from 1922 to 1952, and during that time actually won multiple conference championships, but that is not a recognized conference, and of course this is all way, way back, Uh, so none of that stuff is actually counted in any... Uh, modern references or uh, any modern uh, uh, like it just references yeah. to what would be Gamecock football uh, compared to like Tennessee who had so it's won in like 98, 99 yeah. uh, anything what seems to be after 1980 
Mm-hmm. Even now, people don't even consider like Georgia's 1980 conference or uh, national oh. championship win a thing, or yeah. Clemson's night. I just said it. I said I you would be it. the first one to do it, well, and here I am doing it. We're going to talk about them. They don't want to talk about either one of us after this past football season. No, they really don't. Um, but yeah, uh, they had actually won some conference championships as being part of the Southern Conference during those years, uh, from 22 to 52. And then, of course, was part of the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, from 1953 to 1970, where it did win its only major conference title, South Carolina, in 1970 as ACC champions. Well, people say 69, Mm -hmm. but it happened in 70. Um, And then the following year, in 71, uh, South Carolina would return to the independent ranks where it would remain until 1992, whenever it joined the SEC, uh, where they remain today. Yeah. Awesome. So the University of Tennessee is a public land-grant research university in Knoxville, Tennessee, in the United States, founded in 1794, two years before Tennessee became the 16th state in the flagship campus of the University of Tennessee system, 10 undergraduate colleges and 11 graduate colleges. It hosts more than 30,000 students from all 50 states and more than 100 foreign countries. It is classified among R1 doctoral universities, very high research activity. So UT lies uh, nearby the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, which if you're any fan of science or any of that in general, it is a very important national laboratory, uh, established under UT President Andrew Holt and continued under the UT Battle uh, Partnership, allow for considerable research opportunities for faculty and students. Also affiliated with the university are the Howard H. Baker Jr. Center for Public Policy, the University of Tennessee Anthropological Research Facility, which uh, Mr. Bass himself, the body farm, the legendary yes. yep. Bass body farm, uh, and the Arbitorium, which occupies 250 acres uh, of nearby Oak Ridge and features hundreds of species of plants indigenous to the region. The University of, is a direct partner of the University of Tennessee Medical Center, which is one of the two level one trauma centers in East Tennessee. Yeah, um, we see a lot of times people are getting flown out by what is referred to as Lifestar, UT mm-hmm. Lifestar, um, and they definitely are. As as much as I don't care for the football team, yeah. they definitely medically they're, they're medically they are fantastic. outstanding. Uh, University of Tennessee is the only university in the nation to have three presidential papers editing projects. The university holds collections of papers of all three U.S. presidents from Tennessee. Uh, Andrew Jackson, James K. Polk, and Andrew Johnson. Nine of its alumni have been selected as Rhodes Scholars, and one alumnus, James M. Buchanan, received the 1986 Nobel Prize in Economics. UT is one of the oldest public universities in the United States and the oldest secular institution west of the Eastern Continental Divide. Now, Tennessee competes like South Carolina, in the Southeastern Conference, the 
most dominant conference in football, most would say. Yeah, buddy. The Eastern Division, mm. along with Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, and South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, with uh, more joining soon, which we will discuss that. Yep. Uh, the only UT team that does not compete in the SEC is the Women's Rowing Program, which competes in a single sport member of the Big 12 Conference. Yeah, there's actually a few of those, and uh, for anybody that may be interested in that, I'll definitely do the dive and get that information as far as South Carolina is concerned. Uh, but there are still some that operate, uh, mm-hmm. some different sports that operate under South Carolina still in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody, uh, any of the teams, organized team sports, operate under the independent banner anymore. I believe it's still just either ACC or SEC, mm-hmm. uh, but most all the sports, uh, same as Tennessee, are yeah. SEC. Uh, as for our colors, uh, Charles Moore, president of the university's athletic association, chose orange and white for the school colors on April 12, 1889. His inspiration is said to have come from orange and white daisies, which grew on the hill. To this day, there are still orange and white flowers grown outside the University Center, although students confirmed the colors at a special meeting in 1892, dissatisfaction caused the colors to be dropped. No other acceptable colors could be agreed on, however, and the original colors were reinstated a day later. (laughs) We couldn't even agree on the colors. That's That's the fan base. That's okay because... I told you about last year how yeah. they were trying to change the name of the mascot from yeah. Sir Big Square, yeah. and they were trying to have a name, and it was named the General for all of one to two days. The General. And then, of course, after Thomas Sumter, yeah, uh, but quickly got changed back to Sir Big Square. Yeah, yeah. The University of Tennessee's official colors are UT Orange, which is which is Pantone One Five One. White, just regular white, and smoky gray, which is Pantone 426. So, yes, you can get the official UT colors. If you pay for it. If you pay for it. Yeah, they actually trademarked the color. So, like, Tennessee Legend Distillery, if they want to use the color, a portion of it goes to buying what's called PMS 151. Right. So... Anywhere that sells Tennessee Orange is paying the college for the color. Yep. Uh, Smokey is the mascot of the University of Tennessee sports teams. These teams, named the Volunteers and nicknamed the Vols, use both a live and costume version of Smokey. There is a blue tick coonhound mascot who heads the Vols uh, onto the field for football games, starting with the 2022 NCAA Division FBS football season, Smokey 11 led, leads the charge. The Alpha Gamma Rho fraternity takes care of Smokey uh, on their premises, feeding it, bathing it, stuff like that, taking it to the vet if it needs to. Uh, in 1953, the University of Tennessee Pep Club held a contest to select a coonhound breed, very common in Tennessee, to serve as the school's live mascot. Announcements of the contest in local papers read, This can't be an ordinary hound. He must be a hound dog in the best sense of the word. And the costume Smokey, much like 
Cocky mm-hmm. for the Gamecocks has won multiple mascot yes. championships. He has. The late Reverend W.C. Bill Brooks entered his prize-winning blue tick coonhound, Brooks Blue Smokey, in the school's contest. At halftime of the Mississippi State game, the season they entered several dogs were lined up in the old cheerleaders ramp at Shields Watkins Field for voting. Each dog was introduced over the loudspeaker and the student body cheered their favorite. Blue Smokey was the last hound introduced. When his name was called, he barked. The students <laughs> cheered and, and Smokey threw his head back and howled again. This kept going until the stadium was in an uproar. So needless to say, he won the contest. Uh, that Smokey had a 10-10 and 10 and 1 record during his two seasons as Ball's mascot. Uh, however, he was sadly lost early in an accident. Aww. Uh, but this tradition carried on. Uh, much Smokey storming the field, like in the Power T, uh, is a tradition as big as the Power T itself, the Pride of the Southland, the Waltz, and good old Rocky Top. So... The costume version, however, made its debut in the 1980s, so not as old. It's actually relatively a young thing for the University of Tennessee. The costume mascots, I think, in general, took became a thing in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So until the late 1980s, this costume was designed as a cartoon-like orange and white dog. This version of Smokey would often drink orange juice out of a bottle to cool down, mostly because of the color of the drink. Tennessee attempted to create a more realistic looking hound costume in 1982, but the end result was panned by the students and the iteration of Smokey was quickly retired. The orange Smokey resigned until 1988, when the university tried once more to redesign. Smokey's new, more realistic look initially gamered mixed reactions from the volunteer fan base, but the redesign quickly became a fan favorite and remains the face of Tennessee athletics today. The costume Smokey's body is black, leading an occasional misidentification as the more familiar black and tan coonhound. However, his white blaze firmly identifies him as a blue tick coonhound. He typically wears a Tennessee jersey bearing the number double zero. In 2006, Smokey made it to the quarterfinals of the Capital One Mascot Challenge, also making several appearances in commercials. He is a perennial favorite when he competes in national mascot competitions, and he was inducted into the Mascot Hall of Fame in 2008. Smokey is occasionally joined by a female counterpart that appears at the women's athletic events, and is joined in most events by his six-year-old little brother. Junior Smokey, who serves as the kitty mascot. Junior typically wears a jersey with a number one half on it. In 2015, Junior Smokey was named Mascot of the Year at the World Dog Awards in Los Angeles. And as for some of our athletic accolades, the University of Tennessee has won 158 regular season SEC championships, 41 SEC tournament championships, and 23 national championships in women's basketball, football, men's indoor and outdoor track and field, women's indoor and outdoor track and field, and men's swimming and diving. The university also offers a number of recreational clubs, many offering intercollegiate play, 
Sports include lacrosse, rugby, soccer, wrestling, hockey, running crew, golf, ballroom dancing, paintball, and men's volleyball, where, fun fact, my little brother Nolan was an All-American setter for the University of Tennessee. Nice. Teams often join intercollegiate conferences, such as the Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference, or play Southeastern Conference and other rivals on a regular basis. Uh, for instance, when we go watch him play with the men's volleyball team, they'd be playing like Georgia, Alabama, Missouri, right. stuff like that. So that was really cool. UT's best-known athletic facility is by far Neyland Stadium, home to the football team, which seats 101,915 people and is one of the country's largest facilities of its type. In August 2014, University of Tennessee students were given the opportunity to vote for a name for the Neyland Stadium student section. The name Rocky Top Rowdies was selected over General's Quarters, Smokey's Howl, Vol Army, and Big Orange Crew. Fun thing, I did not know any of that. They did not advertise anything about that, and I think they should have. Yeah, I think you would have gotten a lot more yeah. response and probably would have uh, like had they some should other be calling them. They should be calling them out during the game, like, "Hey, Rocky Top Rowdies," and have the fans call back. It, right. So much more for sure. Doing on November tenth, two thousand fourteen, as part of the university's wide branding overhaul, the UT athletic department announced that starting with the 2015-2016 school year, all UT women's teams, except for the basketball, would drop "Lady" from their nickname and become simply volunteers. The rebranding will coincide with UT's switch from Adidas to Nike as its uniform supplier. Uh, some notable people that have passed through the old UT are the likes of Paul Feinbaum, which if you watch any sports SEC stuff oh, yeah. like that, he's a commentator. Actress Dixie Carter, Todd Helton of baseball fame, Alvin Kamara, everyone's favorite fantasy leaguer for the past few years, Arian Foster, Cat's Cradle and Slaughterhouse-Five author Kurt Vonnegut, Candace Parker, astronaut Scott Kelly, Heath Schuler, former WWE Women's Champion and current star Bianca Belair. By the way, she went to both of our schools and ran track, South Carolina and Tennessee. Yep. And the legends that are Jason Witten and Peyton Manning. And, of course... If you know what the volunteers are, you know where we got our name. It's because Tennessee, as a state, more volunteers for the World War I and most wars came out of the state of Tennessee. Yeah. Hence why we have the name the Volunteers. Yep. To, to kind of not necessarily expound on, mm-hmm. uh, but something that I really didn't include as much of um, Probably because there's not as many well-known, mm-hmm. uh, but like you said, um, Belair. Yeah, Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair uh, had attended both University mm-hmm. of South Carolina as well as University of Tennessee and is now... Uh, She's been multiple women's champions multiple in women's the WWE. champions in uh, WWE. Uh, but another wrestler that we unfortunately lost last year, or year before last, uh, University of South Carolina alum and... Uh, football legend himself, Del Wilkes, mm-hmm. uh, that you know as the Patriot, mm-hmm. unfortunately passed. Um, a couple of other people that did uh, attend the University of South Carolina that may be a little bit more known, um, just some people more in politics and stuff like that. 
people like <clears throat> Lindsey Graham, uh, John B. Floyd, uh, um, some journalists and newscasters, Rita Cosby, and some other actors, people like Mike Coulter, Charles Frazier, Lisa Gibbons. Mm. Um, but probably the most recognized uh, for the University of South Carolina would probably be Hootie. Yeah. Old Darius yeah. Rucker. Old Darius Rucker. Uh, and so, yeah. of course, Jadavian Clowney. Well, yeah. And if you're a fantasy football player, he was a big reason you you picked. You picked whatever that defense. Yeah, whatever that defense was, was Clowney himself. And, of course, I mean, whenever we get into some of our uh, most memorable moments and Mm -hmm. stuff like that as part of our fandom and stuff like that, uh, at the age that we are, I mean, for me, I can't not mention Clowney just Mm. like you can't not mention Peyton Manning. Manning. Yeah. The next thing that we're going to get into is where and when our fandom actually began. Uh, our biggest influencer of the fandom, uh, whether it be a specific family member, player, uh, alum, whatever the case may be. Um, and for me, I wish I could say that this has been a since birth thing, uh, but that's not the case. There unfortunately exists pictures of me wearing the Gamecocks hated rival oh my God. attire. Um, These don't see the light of day, do they? I hope they don't. <laughs> um, just because I don't want to get that kind of mm-hmm. flack and kickback. Um, but yes, to this day, both of my parents are still diehard Clemson fans. Wow. Um, so whenever... The, the opportunity does mm. present itself, uh, especially since the the seven-year streak has been ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take any an opportunity, every opportunity I can to <laughs> to make social media posts and stuff like oh, that yeah. about the, the win this last year. Um, but you're probably wondering how I could become a Gamecock fan whenever both my parents and a large number of my family, uh, especially on one side, are nothing but... Clemson fans, and that's actually going to be because of my grandfather. Mm. Um, I was actually talking to uh, another employee earlier today um, in the fact that growing up, majority of my time, because being, you know, not to get into any kind of personal backstory or anything like that, uh, being a product of uh, parents divorcing while mm-hmm. I was really young and them being young as well. Um, I found myself being cared for by my grandparents on both sides of the family more so than by my actual parents. Um, And the person that I attribute a majority of my, not necessarily full-on personality, um, but my demeanor, Mm -hmm. uh, my calmness, um, my MO, if you will, uh, would be to emulating my grandfather uh, and by extension uh, a couple of my uncles um, and they were all Gamecock fans mm-hmm. and part of that was of course you know Saturday whatever time whether it be uh, a late afternoon kickoff or an evening kickoff because back then the noon games didn't exist um, it would be we got up, went fishing on Saturday morning. After we got home, we'd probably watch a little bit of fishing. And then about that time, 3 o'clock is whenever football games started. Mm-hmm. So then we would watch the Gamecocks playing whoever. 
uh, as part of the ACC at that point in time. In the short time, and especially with as young as I was at the time, um, he taught me a lot uh, in that time that I was able to spend with him. In not only my fandom of the Gamecocks, but also how to be a damn good human being. Uh, my love for the earth and all things that grow, uh, being able to maintain that stuff, um, living off the land, being able to read mm-hmm. the land and and what what Mother Earth is telling us to better interpret it. How to be a duck. Okay. Really? Calm, on, calm on the surface, even but, though... Yeah, those feet are going a mile a minute. Yeah, the, and and that's my brain. My brain like is the that. duck's feet. It's, yeah. it's it's going all the time, but I keep that calm, cool mm-hmm. exterior uh, all the time. Uh, and that, of course, like I said, that goes into fishing, hunting, you know, anything, all all things natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just to be, it's your responsibility to to be that. Not necessarily my responsibility, but that's just the mentality that yeah. I adapted. Um, is that be that pillar of strength for people Mm -hmm. Um, but also don't forget to to take care of yourself you know to reestablish yourself but getting back into this to put an age on it I would say around the age of four four to five is where I can remember my earliest games or memories uh, concerning the Gamecocks Uh, and those were definitely down years um, especially after the 1984 run where they had the program's first 10-win season, uh, then under head coach Joe Morrison, uh, which was also known as the Black Magic season mm. for the University of South Carolina. Of course, Morrison was the first person to use black jerseys as part of the uniforms That's cool. for the University of South Carolina and was an innovator of blackouts for games. I didn't know that. Um, he is also the coiner of the phrase that echoes throughout Williams Bryce Stadium, or Willie B, as it's known to fans. Uh, if it ain't swaying, we ain't playing. Just because of the fact that during those games, it was reported that in the upper decks, that there was a good four to five inch sway of the entire stadium because whenever it gets in there rocking as people are just cheering and moving around and and going and one of the last times that it had gotten to from the 84 season that black magic season to going through several down years mm-hmm. uh even through coach lou holtz uh, who is a staple of of collegiate football yeah. for many reasons, including coaching at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. um, took over the South Carolina program in his first year was an 0-11 season and then was able to turn it around from there. Uh, but it wasn't until, of course, Steve Spurrier wound up coming in that South Carolina really got its full-fledged place on the map mm-hmm. during those 11-win seasons, and those were the – first in program history hitting what would be those 11 win seasons and that statement has always held true uh, as far as the if it ain't swaying we ain't playing and during the Texas A&M game this Mm. last year whenever the opening kickoff was taken back for a touchdown 
South Carolina had not beaten Texas A&M since they joined the SEC. Mm. We were 0-7 against Texas A&M and the amount of noise. It's almost like the the whenever UT beat Alabama in mm-hmm. Neyland this last year, mm-hmm. that it registered on yeah. the, the Richter scale as an earthquake. It was yeah. the same way in South Carolina for yeah. for that game. And then, of course, I mean, I'm not going to mention it again right now. Yeah. Um, Sandbagging us. But that, yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what it, it seemed was, like. Yeah. I mean, because we had just lost to Florida the week before yeah. and didn't score an offensive touchdown and then came the next week and hung 63 yeah. on – what uh, was at that time four? the number, number six, number seven yeah. team in the country, or mm-hmm. even higher? It may have been yeah. even higher. Uh, but y'all were definitely in uh, yeah. playoff contention at that yeah. point, and we came it in was and was like, baffling. Mm, nah. it's, it's, it's baffling to me because <laughs> I was like, I didn't even want to watch the game, but I sat down and was like, I'm going to start watching it yeah. because in my mind, just like every other sane non-garnet glasses wearing Gamecock would have been like, yeah, they're not going to beat Tennessee. Yeah. And then, lo and behold. And going back to the if it ain't swaying, we ain't playing, this was his response to the reports of the vibration and swaying from the nosebleed seats during the phenomenal home games during that amazing year. And he, along with announcer and alum Tommy Suggs, are responsible for getting the school to adopt the 2001 A Space Odyssey as its entrance and of course is referred to still to this day one of the best entrances in mm-hmm. all of college football mm-hmm. absolutely i was pretty much born into it um i was uh but my family always pushed for us to find our own teams uh and our own favorites when it came to things like uh, at pretty young we were still told like you know we're all ball and we we go to the the home games and all that, but if there's, don't be afraid if there's a team that you like that may be playing against the Vols. Like, uh, and and we were such a big baseball family, and like my grandfather and dad were scouts for the Cincinnati Reds, and for that reason, me and my older brother are big Reds fans. But because of the way they raised us, like my little sister is a Yankees fan, so like we were told, like, look, if you don't, if they don't resonate with you the way they do, we're not gonna hate you. We're not right. You know, we're not going to give you crap. Um, but so even with that mentality, um, it really took hold when I started to become part of the season ticket holders. Um, not necessarily buying my own season ticket, but uh, at a pretty young age, my first memory is like I started going with the crew um, at a pretty young age. Like they've had the same season tickets since my dad was like five years old same five season tickets so we're grandfathered into all this new crap they make you do you know all this donation crap that colleges are making you do now um but once i started to become part of the oh you know it's it's going to be a lighter game you know not too many people you know we're playing you know syracuse or whatever so let's take tyler you know i was like seven six seven years old eight years old going to these games and you know, my grandfather at the time had a parking place that doesn't even exist anymore because of all the construction. It was literally a rock's throw from the stadium. He wow. had this parking space right beside the stadium that we could just walk into. And we would stop at the subway on Magnolia and just drive into the game, easy peasy, eat our subway, and just walk into the, the, the gate that was literally 
like I said, I could throw a rock at. Um, and that's when it kind of took hold. So it's, it's literally been a McDaniel thing for generations. Uh, being a Vol fan and going to the, all the home games we can because we have the season tickets, even though now I can't imagine what my grandfather was paying for him when it started. But I can tell you that this season, I alone for the six, seven games that yeah, are home games. Yeah, fairly typical, yeah. Uh, almost $700. Per game? No. Or for the lot? Per ticket. Each person in my family this year paid $700 to go to For a few, what their season? To what our, our home games will be. It's not as bad as I thought it would yeah, be, especially I mean, after last year. Yeah, and, and I mean, the I can stuff imagine that they were able to accomplish. Uh, if it does continue, if the upswing does continue, I'd imagine we're going to get to the point where, we're like, do we really want to continue this? Because that's right. expensive. Um, I'm taking. Or we'll start uh, saving a, a month's worth of pay yeah. to to be able to yeah. go exactly. watch seven Saturdays, yeah. six Saturdays out of the fall. Yeah, but exactly. I mean that's part of fandom, man. It is. It is absolutely. Um, but plus, just over the time of, of my life going, um, you know, when it was me, my dad, my grandparents, and my older brother is really when it took over. And in the time that I've been a, a staple to the season ticket holders, now buying my own ticket for years now, it, it also goes into, like, the legends that I've gotten to see go through that program, uh, from Peyton Manning to Jason Witten to... Kelly Washington and Justin Hunter, you know, all these names, right. you know, so that just kept solidifying is the people that I got to see play. And now that they have, you know, like you can't, I mean, he went to college in Tennessee, but now Peyton Manning's a national name. And because international we were international name, name yeah. because we were lucky that he chose us. Right. You know, that name is now synonymous with like Peyton Manning. They're like, oh yeah, he's really, well, where do you play Tennessee. Yeah. So people knew he wore that big orange team. But also at the same time, like my mom was a cheerleader at and went to school at the University of Kentucky. So I will admit that if they're not playing the balls, I do have other teams. Right. Like I, I don't hate South Carolina. I don't I cheer for Vandy out of the kindness in my heart and they are another Tennessee team. Right. <laughs> um and I cheer for Kentucky if they're not playing Tennessee cuz that's where she went to school. Yeah. So uh, even though I was born into the all vol and still maintain the all vol mentality, it's not as much as like I absolutely will not cheer for anyone else. But right, it's more of like a I could just be easier to tell you who I absolutely will not cheer for. Right, like, you know, like when Florida and Georgia play every year, or when Georgia and Bama play, when they're like, well, who do you want to win? I'm like, you know that part in Dark Knight Rises when Bane comes out. <laughs> And just destroys the football field, and they don't get to play the game. That—that's what I hope. That's for. what I want. That, I don't want either one of them to win. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty much been a, you know, all life thing for for most of us. Even though, like, like I mentioned, you know, she went to Kentucky. My little brother's more of a Kentucky fan, even though he graduated in a with a law degree from the University of Tennessee. He's still more of a Wildcat person. Is it because of basketball? Is he more of a basketball guy? Yeah, he's more gotcha. of a basketball guy. Gotcha. He actually used to go to Tubby Smith's basketball camps. Oh, so nice. That's, it's basketball. That's, he's a big Kentucky right, fan. Right, right. But as of recently, you know, they've beaten us too in right. the last few years. And, so. and I know a lot of people nowadays, especially within the last four to five years, 
Uh, I know Stoops has been there, I think, longer He's than done that. He's a heck of a job uh, with that as, as a football coach, getting that turned around mm-hmm. because they were cellar dwellers like Vanderbilt yes. uh, for quite a while. I mean, I don't have much room to talk as a, as a South Carolina well, fan. Well, and every team goes through. They have their down years their where down they're, years. they're swimming in the cesspool of the, the bottom the bottom mm. tiers but mm. yeah uh, I can definitely see that uh, and I will have to wholeheartedly agree with you I am a partial coastal Carolina fan uh, especially whenever it comes to yeah. uh, uh, baseball oh, uh, yeah. just because they've always been fairly decent and actually another baseball. fun fact my cousin the last time they won the national championship was the pitcher Alex Cunningham nice this is my cousin and we were at the beach watching him do it we were just like He's one of ours. He's one of ours. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) If you're enjoying the Cocky Top podcast with Brian and Tyler, then you will also enjoy other Legend Studios productions. Check out Between Two Barrels with Brian and Opie and the 30 and Nerdy podcast with Josh and Tyler. If you enjoy those and want to know more about Legend Studios, Find us on Legend Studios in Instagram and Facebook. Enjoy the rest of the show. So we've got plenty of memories. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I'm 42. You're mm-hmm. late 30s 34, now. Yeah. Or 34. I said late, mid, mid-30s <laughs> uh, now at this point. Um, so we've had an opportunity to experience a lot of things in both... Mm. live settings as well as watching plenty of televised games because you as a season ticket holder I mean mm-hmm. yeah you're going to all the home games mm-hmm. uh, for the most part but of course not all the games are played at you know on no. the home turf uh, and me as someone living in Tennessee as a South Carolina fan it is definitely a lot more difficult uh, and has been since I've lived in Tennessee more than South Carolina but of course still a Gamecock fan mm. It's been a lot more difficult for me to get to any actual game unless, of course, they're playing Tennessee in Neyland mm-hmm. or, you know, are somewhere relatively close. Like, I may be able to make the the drive over to Charlotte to be able mm-hmm. to see the season opener, but likely not just yeah. because I've got some other responsibilities. Life. Uh, <laughs> life in general just to take care of. Um, but... For you, out of all those memories, what has been or what is probably your best memory of a game uh, that you actually attended in person or watched on TV? Well, before this last season, I would easily say that I remember being in like fifth or sixth grade and the field goal that beat Florida, I was there. For the championship? For the championship. Yep. I was there. Um, Or even though we lost hosting Oklahoma a few years ago the first time we broke the sound barrier it was so loud when we were leading him for 90% of the game right the Oklahoma you know the Sooners like the boss played there and like oh man it's you know and they came to Neyland and we spanked them for 90% of the game right and of course we weren't finishers then um, but going into the fourth quarter that fourth quarter stretch that a lot of we were ahead against Oklahoma, and we were jet engine loud. It was one of the first times that we registered on the Richter scale. So being there, I would say one of those two. But after last year, <laughs> being 
in the seats in section O, row 19, watching us in the streaks of Florida and Bama. I'm especially Bama. God. That was what, 16, 17 that years? Was, yes, 17 years. 17 year streak ended. ended. And I in was Neyland there. Stadium. Getting on a, to see. On a duck kick. Yes, a on a duck. Tennessee Saturday night. Oh, he's going to do it. That's right. You Spend can my make dollar. Dixie Land Delight your team song, but it's a Tennessee song. I, mean, I don't care what the tide says. Like, it's about being in Tennessee. Like, and getting to hear, like, after they call it, after the whistle, when we freaking did it, the whole stadium bust out in Dixie Land Delight. Yeah. Just no music to cue it. Everyone is like, they just, just started singing my dog. and, and yeah. people in the crimson leaving and it's like that's right baby so that's the new favorite i already know the answer to this question but i'm going to ask it anyway just so the listeners can can get the answer did you get your hands on the goal post at any point in time no because sadly i just come off of a, a foot surgery <laughs> so i'm in this boot like cheering and going crazy but when my older brother looks at me and goes me and Peyton are going my sister's name is Peyton after Peyton Manning she was born on October 16th 16 days early six you know it's right it was perfect it all worked yeah, yeah. Um, she was born on 10 16 at 10 16 16 days early so they were just like well we were gonna go with a different name but it's, it's kismet it's Peyton yeah. <laughs> um, they went and they had a grand old time. But when he looked at me and, and I was in the boot, I was like, I can't hop that the barrier. I can't hobble. Over. They'll catch me. Like, right. <laughs> like, I know that they're not going to really catch because the whole stadium's emptying. Right. And, you know, people aren't going to really get in trouble like they normally would. But, no, I was post-foot surgery in a boot. I was cheering them on. I was standing in the stands with Dad and the people who sit near us. Right. Going crazy, taking pictures, crying. Yes, crying. And just like, oh, my God, we did it. You know, so I did not get to storm or touch the goalpost, but my siblings did. Nice. Any sort of memorabilia that was retained um, from that? Not necessarily pieces of the post or anything, because to my, my knowledge, that's still sitting in the Tennessee River, is it not? My, it is, yes. and You can see it on uh, Google Earth, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. You can. you can zoom in and see the goalpost goal yeah. from that game still sitting in the Tennessee um, River. My... I believe my older brother <laughs> took some of the turf, like picked up some of the just turf. Just reached down and like... Just reached up, picked up some of the turf, put it in his pocket, and it's like sitting in his office desk at home or like in a little thing. But Somebody's going to go in and try to clean it one day. Like, what is this grass? Ugh, just throw that away. And then he's going to be like, oh, where's my, my turf? <laughs> it might never happen again. Where's my turf? Right. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably be the same way. Oh, I know that yeah. after... South Carolina did mm. get the dub over Tennessee, which, oh, I mean, yeah. this last season, because Tennessee had broken the streak mm. against Alabama, they only had the one loss against Georgia at mm-hmm. the time. And it looked like, I mean, it was we nothing but it doom and like, gloom, yeah. you know, for South Carolina. Um, it's going to be several years before the hedges at South Carolina are in front of the student section are. Yeah. Back up to where they were because yeah. um, I saw a, a, a photo from from Christmas where they decided to go out to the stadium and put some 
some Christmas lights on the, the hedges yeah. in front of the, the cockpit area. Yeah. Which, for those of you that don't know, that is the student section for the, the University of South Carolina is called the cockpit. <laughs> um, those hedges are no longer existent. Uh, they look kind of like the hedges down in Athens after South Carolina beat Georgia back in, uh, was it 2019? Mm-hmm. Um, whenever they were ranked number three mm-hmm. in the country at that point in time. And uh, I don't. I'm going to knock on wood and I'm going to go ahead and throw this out into the universe. I want to see a repeat. Georgia or South Carolina goes to Georgia Mm. again this year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. uh, Week three. The last time you were there, you beat them. Yep. So I'm hoping that's going to be the case again. I hope so, man. I hope it does. And that way, that'll be the. Because we're the first quote unquote test, as -hmm. it were, for Georgia for the season. And if we carry the same momentum that we had coming off of last year after the Tennessee win, oh. after the Clemson win, after the close run with Notre Dame, well, I, mean, I don't know I if I'll be consolable. A, a really cool thing about our programs is both of us had stellar seasons pretty much because coming off of, like, we've been through the... The ringer the last, the last decade, decade and a half. At least yeah. and a half. Both programs have been through the ringer. and. Yep. The last couple of years with our coaching changes, oh, we've God. seen some excitement. Some, oh, my God, it feels like football again. Right. Going back to the the story of Tennessee playing Oklahoma, mm-hmm. hosting that game, where was Hypel as far as the Oklahoma organization? Was he part of that at that point in time? Yeah, he was. He hadn't went to Florida Central yet. FCU that gave him, that we got him from. I can't remember which. UFC? UFC, yeah. Or University UCF. of Florida Central. UCF. UCF. Yeah. yeah. He hadn't gone there yet, so he was part of the staff. So he'd done with his playing, but he was on the staff but there he was at on the that staff. time. So he knew what Neyland could be. Right. And then, as I was going to say, fast forward, mm-hmm. you know, full circle, whatever, his so to speak. His team is making us loud again. Yeah. I love that. Like him as the coach for mm-hmm. University of Tennessee in Neyland mm-hmm. Stadium and all of that stuff is just fantastic. Um, for me, I would have to say just because of the fact of what was happening during the game and mm-hmm. what happened at that point. Uh, I know you mentioned Clowney earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I'm having to watch this stuff on TV. I mean, it's a bowl game. It's the Outback Bowl down in Florida at this point in time. And uh, that's all I have to say, Clowney and Outback Bowl, and everybody knows where I'm going with this one. Uh, that happened to be against Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, but what set up the play is the fact that Michigan had run the ball, or it may have been a, a, a sweet pass or whatever, uh, 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 out to the flats, whatever it was. Um, they were stopped short. They brought the chains out, and there's a full two links, three links of the chain plus the actual clip before it touches the stick distance between the nose of the ball and that stick Mm -hmm. and you see the referee just signal first down oh yeah everybody players spurriers in there just pointing at it you see it on the camera and everything else and the referee's like zero f's were given and he just signals the first down Spurrier's beside himself, everything else. They're going through. They they do the replays. I mean, probably one of the 
top ten worst calls in collegiate sports whenever it comes to, to you know, checking the distance oh, yeah. and everything else. And then you even hear the announcer later on after the play happens. He's like, if I'm Jadavion Clowney, you'd give me that enough time. I'm going to catch my breath. I'm going to come off the ball, and I'm going to rock you. And that's exactly what he did. The very next play, he just blazes past the defender that was supposed to stick him, and he just lights up that running back, knocks his helmet 15, 20 yards back, he wins an ESPY award for that hit, and that just, I mean, not only was he a freak of nature athlete mm. even before that, but that just skyrocketed oh. his stock, yeah. had him, you know, chosen as the uh, number one pick overall in the draft that following year, or in that year, uh, and everything else. So that that one is, is one of my two. Um, just and there's so many other ones. I mean, yeah. there's the Eric Kimry fade um, that was a fantastic. Uh, a lot of Sterling Sharp plays mm. um, to get more recent, uh, even than what Clowney would have been. I mean, some of the uh, kickoff or punt returns from Debo Samuel, and you know what he's doing in the in the league at this point. Um, even people uh, like Connor Shaw mm-hmm. uh, or. Um, I wish he would have been able to have an actual NFL career uh, because he's you know goes down in history as one of the most winning or the most winning uh, had an entirely undefeated home streak for the University of South Carolina while he was playing there, and then even uh, as much as I hated how everything went down because it was during the Muschamp tenure and stuff like that. Uh, but even quarterback Jake Bentley, mm. uh, whose dad was on the staff for quite a few years. And I know there was some controversy, especially within the fandom that's surrounded by that. But um, him putting up over 500 passing yards on Clemson, even though they took the L in that game. I mean, there's a lot of moments that, that definitely stand out there. And, of course, I mean, I can't let this podcast go without saying the 63-38 to win this last year with Spencer Rattler having yeah. his career night. Um, was a, another one as well. But the one that I put down as my number two um, was just because of what she got to experience uh, with her first time being in williams Bryce Stadium in Willie B. Mm. Uh, would have been a couple of years ago uh, for the very first game of the current head coach, Shane yeah. Beamer, uh, yeah. for South Carolina, uh, his coaching tenure. Yeah. Um, and just to be able to experience – Sandstorm, the waving of the towels, 2001, uh, cocky erupting from, you know, his cage and everything else during the opening and everything, the pageantry that goes along with it, the Gamecocks chant, uh, all of it, just to, to, and she's a, don't get me wrong, she comes from a fandom that's steeped in college football history because she's a, a, a Hawkeye, mm-hmm. Iowa Hawkeyes fan. Uh, coming from the Midwest, so, I mean, it's not that she's not been used to that type of stuff, but I don't know, man. Just the but she something about SEC. the SEC schools yeah. in general. Um, while uh, Neyland Stadium has almost thirty thousand more capacity mm-hmm. than what Williams Bryce does, it can match volume-wise almost, you know, decibel yeah. decibel for decibel. I mean, uh, both, with like, Neyland Stadium, you've registered on the Richter scale too. Yeah, so, so uh, that would that would probably have to be my second one is just being able to 
watch someone mm-hmm. experience Williams Brides yeah. for the first time. So, yeah, it's always a, a special thing. Now, as we said earlier, um, it is now the time of year to where both the volunteers mm-hmm. and the Gamecocks have started into fall camp. Uh, I daily uh, watch insider videos mm-hmm. and stuff like that from Gamecock Central, Gamecocks Insider. Um, one of my favorite non-program-based uh, entities to listen to and to watch uh, on YouTube. And I'm going to go ahead and um, make this pitch, even though we don't have any sort of uh, uh, sponsorship or anything yeah. like that, uh, just because I want to try to get my chalice of supremacy uh, oh, okay. from Josh Pate and yeah. Late Kick with Josh Pate. Um, we are going to go ahead and make sure to advertise on the Cocky Top podcast yeah. to ask you to make sure and follow Late Kick Live with Josh Pate on yeah. YouTube to try to hit that 200,000 subscriber mm-hmm. mark before we do hit kickoff. Uh, and hopefully I can maybe get a chalice of supremacy. But yeah. yes, uh, along with Fine Bomb that was mentioned oh. earlier, um, one of my favorite outlets for just college football media in general is going to be um, Josh Pate mm. as well as Cole Kublik okay. um, who is he's definitely a bit of a, a an Auburn homer mm-hmm. um, but he provides a lot of good information especially as someone who played the sport. I personally never really played the sport other than backyard stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely more of a baseball guy myself similar to you. Um, but just to hear the information coming from someone who did do all that stuff, it gives you a better understanding of it and stuff like that. But um, with it being the start of fall camp, what are some of your personal biggest questions uh, going into the season concerning the volunteers? Um, obviously coming off of the season we had uh, at one point being number one for the first time in decades. Um I would say everyone's question is, can Big Joe do what, what Hooker did? Can he continue right. this this dangerous offense, this hypo offense? Um, Which does need a, a bit of finesse, and mm-hmm. I'm sure the concern is the fact that while Milton's got Bazooka Joe arm, oh my God. He, he doesn't have the touch, and no. I guess the, the like I said, that concern. a little more rough around the edges. Yeah. As a, a quarterback and, and just a person in general, he's a little more like, uh, instead of outrunning him, uh, I'm going to hit him if I have to. Right. You know, it's like, well, we don't really need you doing that because you're the quarterback. Um, uh, Might have served a little bit better as a tight end yeah, or a wildcat more of a quarterback. Tight end. Uh, I mean, and we could, you know, with Joe and with our uh, Amaliva, you know, backing him up, you know, and maybe you can see. That kind of thing, like oh, let's let's have Joe pitch it to Amaliva and then come in at the tight end, you know, right, and get some receptions as a quote unquote tight end type person. And then of course you guys still have a, a fantastic receiver core, Absolutely. even after losing Hyatt, yeah, uh, to the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, still have Squirrel White. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I can't think of the other tight end's name right now. Well, uh, and, and we used to be, like, the thing is, is that what Hypel brought back is there was a time where UT was, a, a like, a wide receiver U. Right. Back in the Wide day. receiver tight end, like yeah. you mentioned earlier, yeah, with, with Witten. With Jason I Witten, mean, yeah. And, and the days of, like, Brett Smith and Witten and Kelly Washington and, and Justin Hunter, like, those kind of names used to be what made us wide receiver U, and Hypel's kind of brought that back. 
Right. Tennessee has not been known as much. Every once in a while you get a, mm-hmm. a stud running back, but Tennessee yeah. has definitely been known more for airing it out yes. over the yeah. years. So can we continue that hypo offense, that dangerous offense with Joe Milton? Um, I think he can. I think he, he, you know, Hooker got hurt late in the season last last year. and, and Yeah, it was during that South Carolina game. Yeah. A lot of people like to look at that as, at least on the South Carolina fandom side, as that's retribution for uh, Marcus Lattimore. Oh, yeah. Back huh. in the uh, early yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2010s. I remember Lattimore. Um, so I think that he, you know, that game Hooker went down and Milton had to keep us going. And he beat Clemson in the ball game for us. So mm-hmm. not just beat him like, Clemson hadn't been treated that way, but a few times this year. In the, once l- well, in the last Carolina, several years, yeah. And once being against us in the past year. Yep. Um, so I think my other question is if he can do it is we've, we have the depth at QB. Um, we have some, some depth at running back for the first time in a long time and obviously the wide receiver core, but my question is, is our O-line depth. Because they get tired, and because they're having to give, because this is an O line that last year gave Hooker an ungodly amount of time to do what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. and this is an O line who has to give Milton that same amount, if not more time, because right. Milton's not as tiptoey as Hooker. He's a little mm-hmm. bigger, a little larger of a human yep. being. So his that's feet going, are going to be more firmly yes. planted as far as exactly being able to scramble. So you've got an O line who's going to tire very quickly he's mm-hmm. going to get hurt possibly and o-line is is where we've struggled even though we had such a great season last season o-line is where we struggled for a few seasons now right and and typically it's it's our weaker point because um, i think it's just one of those things like all right we've got all these offensive weapons you know we got to draft we got to see if they'll come and we got to see if they'll come but oh wait who's going to protect this these right people so right. we kind of like oh a good we got our four and five over here, but we need four and five O line. Good trenches, yeah, will mask the deficiencies Absolutely. of other spots. But it's a lot more difficult to have those specialists mm-hmm. be able to mask bad offensive yeah. line or defensive line. No, play. you can't hide an O line, a bad O line. No, no matter how good your offensive weapons are, if the O line's bad, right. it shows. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where a lot of teams like Vandy and Kentucky and, you know, those – it's because, you know, the O-line, you know, it's and, weak. And the, the talent winds up going mm-hmm. to Stronger other schools. O-line. Yeah, yeah, schools. Um, and, of course, you know, we've we've seen a season and a half of this crazy, deadly, hypo offense. We're going to have to now see a see- – people are going to start trying to do that to us, sandbag us. So where's our defense at? Right. We've got to have, like, people saw us sandbag them quickly, 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 quickly. Yeah. So now we're like, they're going to try to do that to us. Right. They've seen us play for a couple of years. They've probably seen film just as much. So yep. now our defense you is have, that, have to be good. Whenever you have a, and I don't want to mean this in a, in a entirely negative sense, but mm. whenever you have a gimmicky offense. Yes, because. Uh, it's um, It's something that can be eventually – Someone's gonna have it fully figured out, and we'll coach, be able to. The coach who passed away last year, he had the same offense. Mike Leach. Yeah, he he was a air raid, 
Air Raid yep. offense. Air Raid. It's gimmicky. Yep. But, you know, so if they're going to catch on to that, then our defense is all also going to be like, where are we at there? We're going to have to give them, you know, we don't want to not give the offense breaks. Right. We want to maintain a game so they can at least breathe for a few plays, but we also don't want our defense on the field for long periods of time. Right, and that's trying so to find that balance. How mm-hmm. do you find that balance whenever you can score a touchdown? Like every time you get on the field, it's like a two-minute drill. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you know, what, what happens if you yeah. don't have defensive depth to be able to rotate out if someone goes out and has a – and that's part of, I think, what happened with the Carolina game last Dead year. Tired. Is the fact that the defense just was wearing out and getting worn out quickly because Tennessee would come out, get that quick, you know, under two-minute score, and then they were back off the field. The defense had to come back out, and Spencer Rattler and company were going nine, ten, twelve plays, eating mm-hmm. up six seven minutes a clock and then hitting on a you know a good strike and getting that touchdown and then their defense is sitting over on the sidelines nice and rested and then that didn't allow for tennessee's offense to do what they needed to do because they weren't able to wear out what our defense would be at that point in time absolutely and and yeah, I mean, I can definitely agree with, especially for South Carolina, with what you said on the offensive side of things, mm-hmm. especially with the line. Our entire unit, for the most part, were seniors last year. Oh, yeah, you've got a brand. So we've got pretty much a brand new. I mean, there are some underclassmen that were what would have been, you know, sophomores, juniors, mm-hmm. uh, maybe those. Um, because of with COVID and everything else, mm-hmm. they were granted the additional year, so people are getting that extra time. Um, but no, most all of the experience for the most part is gone off mm-hmm. that O line. Uh, we've got some transfers that have come in to be able to help fill in some gaps. We actually had one of our starting O line go down in the spring game. Huh. Uh, yeah, and uh, Jalen Nichols, he's not expected to be back until like late in the season, if at all, for what this year would be. Uh, and it was his senior year, so I mean, I don't know if he's going to be granted eligibility to be able to go another year, mm. or what the case may be, because he does get hurt and goes down in a spring game in what would be his final year. You know what I mean? What's yeah. the what's the NCAA or whoever going to rule on that? Um, but thankfully, um, like you were talking about, you know, if you don't have depth mm. on the line the specialty players, uh, your skill players aren't going to make any kind of difference if you can't get protection for the mm-hmm. quarterback or, you know, give them time to be able to make those reads to be able to get those passes out in the uh, right amount of time without landing flat on his back mm-hmm. or on his rear. Um, so what questions do you have? Are you but, too young? But we do, we do have a lot that was addressed in – Beamer's recruiting mm. uh, is a lot of emphasis in his first two full years of recruiting was the trenches. Yeah, like we've gotten some some good skill players that have that have come in, but his main emphasis to begin with for what would be 2001 or uh, 2021, 2022, uh, after taking over and his full things were addressing the trenches. So while it is a question mark now. Mm. 
next year, 2024, 2025, that's going to be the main strength for University of South Carolina. But right now it's definitely a question mark, uh, that being the offensive line, of course. Are they going to be able to piece together enough with the experience of transfers coming in, the culture and everything else, to be able to keep Rattler upright so he can have repeats of the the tail end the last three games of the season and some flashes throughout the season last year, uh, or is he going to wind up running for his life the entire year? Um, the other thing for me is going to be running back. Mm. Um, South Carolina, since Shane Beamer has taken over, in year one, went through the quarterback carousel. Mm-hmm. We wound up having four different quarterbacks, including a grad assistant who had a year of eligibility, wind up pulling the cleats out of the locker, putting them back on, and actually led us to victories over uh, Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember whoever else right off the top of my head. But, yeah, uh, we went through the quarterback carousel in year one. One of our quarterbacks – had been transferred in the tail end of the Will Muschamp era over to wide receiver, mm-hmm. and he had been in the wide receiver room for several years. This year he is now in the running back's room. He has added almost 20 pounds of lean muscle. He's yes. like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, weighs 230 pounds. Dang. And knows the quarterback position, knows the receiver position, and is now stepping into the running back room with with a former UT running back as the running back's coach in Ontario Hardesty. Ontario Hardesty. And um, the garnet glasses version of me, the the rose tinted glasses as yeah. you would if you will, um, believes that there's not gonna be any kind of issue. Yeah. With the running backs, especially with on Joiner, if um, if he carries that same mentality that he's carried throughout his entire tenure with the University of South Carolina, is that he's going to be able to do some amazing things. Like I don't care what position he's in; he's just an overall athlete. Um, but I do have some concerns. I mean, I would be lying if I said there weren't some concerns with the running back because the only actual proven running back that we've got right now is Juju McDowell as mm. a scat back five six five seven 180 pounds soaking wet mm. if that so I mean he's definitely the change of pace you know catching passes out of the backfield he's not a he's not the prototypical bowling ball well, no. you know back uh, so yeah O-line and and running back are probably my biggest things, defense for us, I don't see any problems on defense for us. Even though we lost two uh, top-notch corners in the NFL draft this last year uh, with um, Cam Smith and Darius Rush, I really don't think that we're going to drop off any. We had both freshmen, DQ Smith and Nicky Memori last year, uh, freshman All-SEC yeah. team. And we also have Marcellus Dial, who this is his senior year. These guys going in. So on the back end, we're good uh, defensive-wise. I think linebacker would probably be our on-paper weakest point. But talking about stuff coming out of Camp Intel and things like that, I really don't think that's going to be an issue either. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited. There's a lot of offensive weapons. 
and we've got some good defensive weapons. Uh, South Carolina, and like it is with anybody, uh, we've got to run the ball, stop the run. Mm-hmm. Since we've gotten all that stuff out of the way, um, we do want to go ahead and actually talk to you about, um, and this is something that we're going to do on this podcast a little bit more because it's a little bit more easily um, prepped for what the next week would be because we know kind of exactly how things are going to pan out. Um, Not as much so with the Between Two Barrels. Um, and of course, if you have not followed that yet, uh, make sure to check out Legends Studios, where we have a collection now of several different podcasts, mm-hmm. including this one, the Cocky Top Podcast, uh, the Tennessee Legend Distillery Between Two Barrels Podcast, and we are looking at bringing on what would be the 30 and Nerdy Podcast which is a long-running podcast mm-hmm. about uh, all things nerd culture, um, hosted by uh, Tyler mm-hmm. or Opie, depending mm-hmm. on which podcast you're listening to, which mm-hmm. personality he's running in on <laughs> that, as well as one of our other employees. Not as longtime friend for me, but definitely a longtime friend for mm-hmm. Tyler, uh, and that's Josh Davis for Absolutely. the 30 and Nerdy podcast. So make sure and check that out. But as a uh, little preview of next week, uh, we're actually going to start actual position group breakdowns yeah. and stuff like that. As we are going through what would be continuation of fall camp, um, week one breakdown for that, which is going to be next week. Actually looking to go into special teams, the often forgot uh, aspect of yeah. football because you got the three. Admittedly, the, I'd have to agree. Right. Uh, you've got the three facets of football. You've got offense, defense, and like I said, the often forgot special teams. While the name Beamer, Shane Beamer and his father, Frank Beamer, uh, legendary Virginia Tech head coach, um, definitely emphasize special teams. Uh, South Carolina has one of the best, if not the best, uh, special teams units in the country, and they are actually returning every single one of the specialists from the special teams unit from last year. So names like Kai Kroger, uh, who actually has a 100% passer rating, believe it or not, uh, including multiple touchdowns in that passer rating, is going to be back with the team and is just a phenomenal punter uh, by all means. Um, And then we're also going to be talking about, uh, after we get through the special teams, following week we'll probably do offense and then defense to wrap it up as we are getting into uh, what is going to be week zero of games, which is Mm -hmm. going to be featuring Hawaii coming off the island and traveling to, believe it or not, the state of Tennessee for a matchup against Vandy for the week zero game for college athletics. Um, but not too often since the inception of Media Days has a punter been brought along as a representative of a team for talking season, as the old ball coach used to call it. Uh, but like I said, punter Kai Kroger was brought to SEC Media Days by head coach Shane Beamer. And for those of you who don't know, like I said just a moment ago, the Gamecocks had uh, top special teams in the unit in the country last year uh, with having multiple block kicks as well as some great uh, conversions, fourth down conversions and even touchdowns on fourth down where most people would have just been punting it away. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to watch out for the Gamecocks, man, especially with a Beamer in charge. And they've also got one of the most prolific 
special teams minds yeah. in the in the world with Coach Pete Limbo at the helm and one of the few colleges that actually in the country that actually has a full-fledged coach assigned to nothing but special teams. And he also happens to be the assistant head coach for the Gamecocks, too. So They also managed to have their first kick return, kickoff return, which I mentioned with uh, Xavier Leggett in that mm-hmm. Texas A&M game uh, since when it was 2017-2018, uh, whenever Debo Samuel did that last. Um, and one of the last things that I personally am going to leave you with is I'm not sure how to feel about a divisionless SEC next year. Uh, I know I'm not too happy of the fact that we are going to be losing Tennessee and Georgia as opponents next year as a Gamecock. Um, but I'm also really not fond of who replaces Tennessee and Georgia on the schedule as yeah. a Gamecock. Uh, because we, unfortunately, we lose Tennessee and Georgia, but they are replaced with LSU and Alabama. And we also have uh, Oklahoma, since they are joining the SEC along with Texas Mm. for the 2024 season. Uh, We are going to be traveling away to Norman, Oklahoma, for the first battle of Carolina and Oklahoma and the Sooners uh, for that game next year. So, Speaking of Texas... uh we talked earlier about South Carolina being a thing before California was even a state. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's got the history. Oh yeah, I mean, history allows us to be better than UT Texas too. We are the first UT. The first UT, yes, so, because you were definitely a school. Well, I mean, you guys were a side. school before South Carolina became a school. So I yeah. mean, no, I mean, Texas fans need to drop that UT smugness because we were here first right <laughs> and you have and as as much as it's going to pain me to say this because i'm not a color of the fan orange in any capacity whatsoever <laughs> other than eating oranges yeah um i will say that university of tennessee ut is a better looking color of orange than it is texas it is it looks kind of like theirs looks kind of like vomit or, or something you'd find in a baby's diaper <laughs> and I and we we can kind of hope that that's the way their season goes, especially so. next year after they they join the SEC. Well, I mean, you know what they say. I mean, if you can't beat them, join them. That's right. What Texas and Oklahoma that's what Texas are doing. and Oklahoma are doing. That's for sure. And with the way things are going now, that the Pac-12 is down to only four teams in the conference, it'll be absorbed soon too. Well, did you see the fact that the uh, Notre Dame was trying to kind of push? Um, uh, Stanford and Cal to join the ACC. If they got them to join, they were going to join the ACC as well. Notre Dame would actually like fully be into a conference. Yeah. I mean, same thing can kind of be said about to Notre Dame fans. It's when they get braggy. I'd be like, you can't even pick a conference, right? Like, you can't. You shouldn't be in the top four or eight. You shouldn't be unless you're going to be part of a conference. Right, and and I mean, as a Gamecock, I mean, we twice two stints of being, you know, independent. Independent, yeah. And it's no, there's a there's enough money there that Absolutely. that they need to be part of a division because yeah. there is that money that is coming in, and that's, I mean, yes, we as fans, we look at it as it's just about the games, it's just about the people, the players, the other fans, stuff like that. But it all comes down to money. Mm. I mean, Everything unfortunately. Uh, but, I mean, I personally would rather see 
you take all of the like from a certain level up mm-hmm. FBS yeah, yeah that's all like one division like it doesn't matter where in the country that's just one division well, basically okay. make it like the uh, NFC yes and then you take all the other ones and you make them like the AFC AFC then you have north south east west yeah yeah, Which is something that we kind of thought about doing, or that we thought would be a a good scenario mm-hmm. for just the SEC. Yeah, is to have, say, if we if say some teams of the ACC wound up joining in, and mm-hmm. you had a thirty-two team, you know, superpower conference yeah. that is the SEC. Uh, not only all the ones that are currently in, but you add Florida State. You add. Uh, Clemson, you add Virginia Tech, you add uh, 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 Louisville, stuff like that. North Carolina, you know. You wind up having these all together, and then you basically have, all right, you've got North Carolina, South Carolina, Clemson, and insert fourth team here. Just right there along what would be the Atlantic coast in those, in, you know, the state of North Carolina, South Carolina. CCU. Yeah. And then you have AFC West or, uh, yeah, what would be the AFC East Mm -hmm. in that aspect. You have Oklahoma, Texas, Mizzou, and LSU. Yeah. There's your, you know, SEC West. Yeah. You yeah you just it, you, it, you could easily set it up like the pros are yeah Once, which and, I mean that's eventually what it's going to wind up going yeah. to what it, it that's what it seems like is yeah. you're going to have that type of uh, conference realignment to that aspect um, and of course I mean I don't want to detract from players being able to make money off of their name image and likeness because I think for so long the coaches have been making money the schools have been making money. Why the hell can't a player make money? Mm-hmm. Because they're the ones that are out there doing Especially all the work. Especially how much they devote to it. They can't yeah. have jobs. Right. Yeah, you, you can't, as a football player or whatever, you can't you go can to work school. At Kroger. You can't go to do that and, and have a job. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to detract from that. I think mm-hmm. that, yes, the players should be able to receive some sort of funding apart mm-hmm. from, yes, they are getting an education. Yes, they are Stipends. being fed and stuff but, like that and whatever. But... If you have the opportunity that a business comes up to you and is like, you're doing good for this school. I want to give you this amount of money if you do some commercials for me because you're a recognizable. It's like influencers today. Yeah, I mean, you know, a company will approach an influencer to uh, uh, talk about their product just because that they already know that there are 20,000 people that react to this person routinely. And they have, they know that there's going to be potentially that many people looking at it. And it's the Absolutely. same thing. If an East Tennessee company like Pals wanted Joe Milton to be on their billboards and be yeah. in a commercial, why not give him? Why not? Why not give him a paycheck? Give him a paycheck. Yeah. Like so, I said, they can't work. That is their job. Yeah, so. but I mean, to to get it to a point to where uh, uh, a kid out of high school is going to be making. I know this is going to be sound astronomical, but it's on the low end whenever it comes to paid professional players. Mm-hmm. Someone gets a $5 million contract as a kid coming out of high school. That's insane. Yeah. 
That's an insane amount of money. At 18, I don't know what I'd do with a $5 million contract. And then the same thing can be said, and this is probably, and I don't want to get into it, you know, how people can be. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, an influencer, we were talking about the influencers just a moment ago, that someone that is an influencer that is doing a TikTok channel or whatever, at the age of 15, 16, 17, 18, can be making that type of money. More money than we see. Oh, God, yeah. There's teenagers on TikTok showing us how to do makeup that are clearing a million something a year. Right. And and you look back at it and you look like the money that you've made, say, over a 10-year span of... A 10-year, you know, period in jobs, span like, in jobs. Yeah. And you're like, what the... Have I been doing... Like, like, And I said this the other day. If back in 2007, when YouTube started to become a thing, if I jumped on board then... Right. With my, if I didn't have like terrible self esteem, like if the Tyler now, who's like you know medicated and and feels a little bit better about he's good at things, jumped on YouTube in 2007, I'd be retired at 34. Right. Because I'd have been doing this theater type thing. This I'd have been mm-hmm. you know I'd have had a channel. Right. And now I'd be like at this point, people would have known exactly. Yeah. Who Tyler McDaniel is and stuff then, like that, yeah. I'd be retired now at 34, like, I don't do anything. I'm right. millions off of YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, and then you get to a point where it just, the <laughs> money makes money. Um, to get back to it, though, uh, like I said, next episode, we are going to be... Yeah, you know, I have to say, uh, admittedly, until my brother, my little brother Nolan, started playing football for his high school, he was the kicker. Yeah. I, I didn't pay attention to special teams. Right. I just didn't. Until I started noticing, like, oh, the, that is him. Like, like, no one is the special teams. Right. <laughs> kicking off, kicking extra points, yep. kicking field goals. And that's you know. on what would be, like, the peewee or, yep. or even getting into high school. You yep. have one or two people that are devoted to special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you so don't, I, I didn't pay you don't really think of it. I mean, special teams. Like, if I were to say this, you know that there's a spot on the uh, special teams unit for someone that's called a gunner. A gunner? Yeah, do you know what that is? No. <laughs> okay, so the person who is usually closest to the kicker okay. on the team that is kicking off or mm-hmm. kicking the punt, whatever the case may be, typically on kickoff is where you have a gunner. Okay. The person who is typically closest inside to the kicker that is usually the quickest person on the team is so taking off as they're gunning for okay. the receiver or trying to gun okay. for the ball to cause a turnover, <clears throat> cause a muff punt, whatever the case may be. That's that's I their like position. They're a gunner. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, special teams definitely gets into yep. it. Um, and then you've got people like what would be your potentially your wide receiver number one, wide receiver mm-hmm. number two, uh, your best linebacker, your best uh, – edge rusher yeah like those people are picked are, from other are people that are on special yeah. teams to 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 be able to emphasize that and and it, it's it's fun to watch a team that does do that because you hmm. do get to see more of those block punts you do get to see more of those fakes uh whether it be just to be able to get that first down or if it you know <laughs> you know Oh well, yeah, I mean yeah. A few, Ev- heavens few open years up ago, and touchdowns uh, start raining for a few for, you know. years ago. A decently local boy, he went to Morristown West High School, uh, Ashford, Patrick Ashford. He was the holder 
um, for the special teams for Tennessee, and he actually like in front of our seats, like they faked it. It was a fourth. It was fourth down, and they were going for the the field goal. Yeah. You know, but faked it, and he pulled away. Yep. And threw a touchdown. Yeah. In front, of, I was like, oh my god, he's he's a Morristown boy. He's one right. of ours. Yep. So I mean, and it's fun to watch teams. that type of stuff. It's, it's that special yeah. team. So yeah, I mean, it's it accounts for one third of of yeah. what football is, mm-hmm. and and those teams that that put an emphasis on it, as the Gamecocks proved last year. If if you can win. Oh. Two out of three facets, you're yeah. gonna. You can beat the, some the likelihood of, the of winning the yeah. game is 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 gonna happen. So as for a divisionless SEC, I uh, I'm gonna have to sit on it for a few days, kind of write out my thoughts because, like you, I don't like the thought of losing traditions. Uh, right. And South Carolina and Tennessee has become its own tradition. Yeah. Like used to when I was younger, it was the Halloween game. Yeah. And now it's its own time, but you know, it's it's we've played them for years. Like, and, why and do we have to lose them? You know. Like, speaking the of traditions, I mean, that's that's part of why there's why the thing that's referred to the as season instead of take teams away. Right. October. There you go. Things happen in yeah, October. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to have that conversation. I'll I'll let you know more. How I feel about it next week, <laughs> right? I mean, looking Tennessee has a special teams. They have a yeah. they have a wait a, what? They have a long snapper. I there's don't a, know there's a kicker. Is. What's what's going on? I'm gonna have here? to do some studying here. You've blown my mind with this term special teams, <laughs> right? And then talking about a gunner and stuff <laughs> like that. Like, yeah, for sure. I've never seen anyone shot on the field. I don't know. What Unless we're watching <laughs> that one movie, uh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about, dude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, this has actually been really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, if you have any questions for us, uh, if you want to just do nothing but comment who your favorite college mm. football team is, and it doesn't necessarily have to be football, just your favorite yeah. college. Uh, it can be any collegiate sport. Who supporting? Um, who you support. We definitely want to hear that stuff. If you've got any questions for us, uh, if there's any kind of topics you want us to cover, any kind of uh Anything like that, just make sure and uh, email us at tldtube23 at gmail.com. That's tldtube23 at gmail.com. Or you can find us through Legend Studios on Instagram or Facebook. Um, Get those questions in. Mm -hmm. Make those comments. Let us know. Um, If you are a fan of either one of our respective fandoms, I'm sure that we both have some... Uh, swag laying around the house that we yes. personally have not not worn or no, sweated in or anything like that. That I have not worn yet. Um, that we'll be more than happy to send out that to I you guys. Will not wear. Uh, so, like we've covered a lot of different things in this first episode, um, our favorite moments, uh, where our fandom came from for our respective teams. Uh, all of that stuff. So, let us know. Um, yeah, just let us know, and we'll do a random drawing out of that information. Uh, we'll actually do one each. Let's do one Gamecock and one Tennessee. That still have tags on it that I can't get rid of. Um, I'm like, I, I can't. That, that was a gift. And, you know, that's just a mentality I have. But I'm someone who generously thought I could wear a large. And I was like, I know I can't wear it. So it's just sitting in the closet with a tag still on it. Right. You send me, you, you email us at that email, tld223 at gmail.com. If you're the first of all fan to email, I'll send it to you. 
There you go. No, absolutely. Cindy and since it. since we're 30 minutes, 45 minutes from Neyland Stadium, mm-hmm. where we're actually doing this podcast from, um, stop by the distillery. Absolutely. We don't have to w- mail it out. No. If you want to stop by the distillery, we can get actually give it to you here and get a sample while you're here. Um, I'm sure you've heard, and we didn't mention it at the beginning of the podcast, uh, like we have on the other ones. We are doing this live from Tennessee Legend Distillery mm-hmm. here on Winfield Dunn Parkway in Sevierville, Tennessee. And we are just up in the open air loft above the main sales floor. Mm-hmm. So you You're have heard work happening. the actual work day for the distillery happening as we've been doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, stop in, check it out, take home your favorite bottle. Um, for those UT fans, we do have an orange dreamsicle moonshine. Uh, that the color, well, it may not be exactly uh, uh, Pantone 151. No, it's not. Um, it's pretty darn close. It is. Uh, so you can come in and get your, uh, not necessarily commemorative, but <laughs> very, very close <laughs> orange I bottle of moonshine. When we, when we first started, after we first started making the orange, Dreamsicle Moonshine. It was in its own place, and then for some reason, the night crew, one night before, Put decided to right next switch everything to the Blackberry Moonshine. So you had this, which is purple. Yes, you had this certain orange and purple side by side, oh. and I remember you walk in and went, "Who okayed this?" That was the first thing that came out of my <laughs> mouth. Like I didn't, nothing else. I see the orange and the purple right next to other. each other, and I'm like, "Who?" Did this. <laughs> I think it's alphabetical. Oh, no, that's not alphabetical. That's it nowhere near alphabetical. Each other. <laughs> Who put the orange and purple together? <laughs> yes, as a Gamecock fan, orange and purple <laughs> are terrible combination. Two of my and I went to a high school whose colors were purple and yeah. white. Yeah. So it just this whole area. Yeah. <laughs> color yeah. wise, in terms of schools, is just. Uh. Yeah. But yeah. yes, uh, back to my garnet and black. Yeah. Um, Love the colors. Um, love the University of South Carolina just as much as Tyler loves the mm. orange and white in the University of Tennessee. And like I said to begin with, we are just two fans offering our individual perspective on our favorite teams. And we will be talking about several other teams, uh, not only in just the SEC, but in college football yeah. in general. Uh, because it is Saturday coming up in mm. the fall. Um, so anyone who might be listening to this that is potentially planning any kind of wedding or birthday party or any kind of social event, do it before 12 o'clock on Saturday or don't do it at all Mm -hmm. on a Saturday uh, because you will definitely have people in your life that do not like you very much Mm -hmm. starting September 1st through the end of the year if you do anything on a Saturday. Saturday. With that, guys... We're going to go ahead and get on out of here. Like we said earlier, don't forget to like and follow the podcast on whatever podcast platform you use. Also, make sure to invite your friends to not only follow this podcast, but also to follow any or all of the Legend Studios productions, including the 30 and Nerdy podcast encompassing the ever-growing world of nerd culture and the newly released Between Two Barrels podcast highlighting legends of all kinds across the state of Tennessee as well as Middle and Western Tennessee, and, of course, Tennessee Legend Distillery in and of itself. Guys, 
from this first episode of Cocky Top Podcast. I'm Brian the Gamecock. I am all of all Tyler McDaniel. And we will see you next time.